0: Now take your Bibles, please, and turn to the prophecy of Zechariah, chapter 5. <clears throat> we began to look at Zechariah 5 last week. If we considered the vision of the flying scroll. The second part of chapter 5 contains another vision, and actually they're, uh, they go together in a way. So our text this evening is Zechariah 5, beginning in verse 5 and going to the end of the chapter. Listen to this. This is the vision that Zechariah saw, and it is the very Word of God. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, what is it? He said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. That's the reading of God's Word. Let's pray now that He'll bless it to us as we consider it together. Father in Heaven, we thank You for the Holy Scriptures and we pray that You would give us understanding and that You would feed our souls through this Word because it is Your Word and because Your Word is the bread of life. It is food for our souls. And so we're asking now for nourishment as well as for understanding and edification. And most of all, we're asking that our Savior, Jesus Christ, will be exalted through the preaching of the Word. And we ask these things in His name. Amen. Some time ago, we were at home, and Hillary and I were at home, and I noticed out the window uh, several emergency vehicles there on our street. And, of course, that obviously attracted my attention, so I went to the window and eventually went out on the porch to look to see what was happening. There were several sheriff's vehicles there, and a couple of the uh, officers were out, and they were standing in the street, kind of looking around. Well, It turns out what had happened was the neighbor, two houses down from us, had gone out to his uh, driveway to get in his vehicle and somehow became uh, alerted to the fact that underneath his vehicle was an alligator. And so he had called the authorities and the people came out. And of course it all had a happy ending. Everything was fine. What they did was they were able to subdue or to uh, contain the alligator. And then with the help of uh, animal control, they were able to get the alligator away from there. Um, And that's what happens, isn't it? when, uh, When some wild or dangerous animal makes its way into civilization somewhere. They have to contain it, and then they, they, they remove it. I mean, I think it's noteworthy that the uh, animal control people didn't just uh, you know, muzzle the alligator and, uh, and then say to the man, okay, it's fine now, he can't bite you, uh, uh, and just leave the alligator there. You know, they, they contained the animal, and then they removed it. And we see the containing and the removal of wickedness in this vision that Zechariah saw here tonight. And I said earlier, this chapter of Zechariah's prophecy is a unity. There's two visions, but they have one basic message. And that message is the divine response to human sin. That vision of the flying scroll Uh, was a depiction of of God's verdict against man's sin and then destruction of sin. Remember, it was the curse that went out over the face of the earth and sinners were, were cut off on the basis of their sin. Well, then this vision of the basket represents restraint and removal of sin, carrying away of sin. And what this particular vision, the vision of the basket, teaches us is that God Himself will both contain and remove wickedness from among His people. This is what God will do. This is His work. He will both contain and remove wickedness from among His people. So first of all, let's consider wickedness contained. Uh, the beginning of this vision, you've got the angel speaking to Zechariah once again, and he prompts Zechariah to observe. He says, lift your eyes. uh, He he says to Zechariah, lift your eyes and see what is going out. And the fact that he uses that that phrase, going out, indicates that the process has begun. He's, He's being told to observe something that's happening as he speaks. And it certain to take place, certain to be fulfilled. And as Zechariah often does, he asks the angel for an explanation. He sees, but he's not sure what he's seeing or what he's seeing means. And so he asks the angel, what is it? And the angel answers, this is the basket that is going out. Get it? Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, uh, let me say, I, I titled the sermon, The Epha Evacuated. The evacuation of this ephah, Because the Hebrew word there that's translated in our Bible's basket is the Hebrew word ephah, which you may uh, have heard, it may sound familiar because it's used many times in the Old Testament and not translated as basket, but translated uh, transliterated, really, from Hebrew into English, ephah, and it's a unit of measure. Um, a familiar place where we see it is, is in the book of Ruth because that first day that Ruth went to glean in the fields of Boaz, it says when she, she beat out all of her gleanings, it turned out to be an ephah of grain. That was quite a bit. By our measure, it's... Uh, Depending on who you read or what sources you consult, it's about half a bushel. Uh, It's dry measure, 22 liters approximately of dry measure. Now in in earlier times, earlier Bible times, for instance, uh, during the period of the Exodus and during the kingdom period, uh, the ephah was a standardized measure. It meant it referred to a very specific amount but we 're told that in in the post exilic years, the term ephah came to just mean a basket of any size. it could be a smaller basket it could be a larger basket and and so if anybody's um, ever puzzled as to you know how does a how does a woman fit inside a an epha uh, well it's because that this term came to mean in in the latter years of Israel uh, just a generic uh, uh Reference to a basket, which could include a basket large enough to hold a human being. But even if not, even if a smaller basket was what Zechariah saw, remember this is a vision. It's like a dream. And in visions and dreams, things that are bizarre uh, or sound bizarre to us or appear that way, they, they're, they're part and parcel of dreams and visions. That's just normal. <clears throat> The uh, angel goes on, though, to uh, to make an additional comment. He says, this is the basket that is going out. And then he goes on to say, this is their iniquity in all the land. That's the way the ESV reads. Now, if you happen to be carrying a different translation, a different version of the Bible, uh, you might not have the word iniquity there. This is their iniquity in all the land. You might have... Uh, this is their appearance or this is their resemblance or something like that. Something with reference to what they look like. Well, how do we explain that? Well, the Hebrew word there that the ESV translators translated iniquity is actually the Hebrew word for eye or it can mean appearance. The the outward uh, aspect of something. What they look like. Uh, So, how does that fit? If if we translate it literally like that, this is their appearance or this is their resemblance in all the land, uh, how do we explain what's being said here? Well, I think there's actually a a way to explain it that's pretty simple to understand. And um, if we take that statement... um, this is their iniquity in all the land. This, if it's referring back once again to the basket, well then, then we might have to interpret it as meaning iniquity. But if we, if, we, if we take the this as being a forward reference to what they're going to see in the basket, then what it's saying is this woman in the basket who is wickedness, the text tells us, He's saying, this is what the sins of the people in the land look like. So that's, if if your version says, this is their appearance, or this is uh, their resemblance in all the land, think of it that way. The angel's saying, this is what they look like, and then he opens the lid, or the lid comes up, and there's the woman in the basket. This is wickedness. I don't know if that's helpful at all. But just in case you have a different version, and it's not translated iniquity, uh, in the version you got in your hand, you can understand it that way. <clears throat> well, there's a, a, a cover on this basket. Uh, this basket, this ephah, had a he- heavy cover. It says it was made out of lead, and that wasn't normal in in ancient times. You didn't, if you're going to cover or close off a basket, you didn't normally do that with a, a leaden cover but in Zechariah's vision that's, that was the case and in the vision it's lifted up and Zechariah saw a woman sitting in the ephah a woman sitting in the basket and the angel immediately makes this pronouncement this is wickedness so somehow the woman in the basket represents sin she represents wickedness And that's why it's treated as a proper noun. And it's capitalized in in your Bibles probably. This is wickedness. She uh, is the embodiment of wickedness. And so what the angel does then is described in very deliberate and forceful terms. It says he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. So you see that forceful, almost violent language. Um, Other versions... Uh, use words like he threw her down or he cast her down or he cast down or pressed down the lid on the basket. The uh, the New Jerusalem Bible is probably most uh, most picturesque and colorful in the language that it uses. It says uh, he rammed her back into the basket and jammed the leaden weight on its opening. You see, but that's, that's the kind of violence and the, and the, the decisiveness that's... Uh, conveyed by the text. It also kind of suggests to us perhaps that maybe the woman is trying to stand up or get out of the basket and the angel's not going to see it. He won't, uh, he won't have it. He makes sure she's contained. So he deals roughly, he deals roughly with this symbol of wickedness. <clears throat> and so the symbolism of that part of the vision is It's a picture of sin or wickedness being quarantined, you might say. That's a word we're very familiar with these days, isn't it? You've got wickedness and the angel saying, You stay in there, you don't get out, and no one's coming into you. It's a symbol of wickedness being contained, like a dangerous animal, like that alligator underneath my neighbor's vehicle. Or like hazardous waste. Any kind of biohazard or hazardous waste of any kind. You want, you want it closed up. You want it sealed so nobody can get to it. And so it won't get out and contaminate anything else. And brothers and sisters, that's how you and I ought to deal with sin. We ought to ram it down in the basket and we ought to jam the lid on it. We ought to leave no room for sin in our lives. Give it no quarter. Or as the Scriptures say, Ephesians 4.27, we ought not to give the devil any opportunity. Think about that violent kind of language that's used to describe how the angel dealt with the woman in the basket and and, and closing the lid up on her. And is that the way you treat sin in your life? I think too often we treat sin with kid, kid gloves. We let it sit in the corner and hope it'll behave, but we want to, you know, inadvertently, maybe subconsciously, we're giving it opportunity. But because sin is so dangerous, <clears throat> simply containing it isn't sufficient. It's like hazardous waste you don't close it up and then set it on the counter in your kitchen. You don't close it up and then just give it a place on the shelf in your office or on your bedside table. Once it's contained, you want to get it, rid of it. You want to get it as far away from you as you can. Like a dangerous wild beast. It needs to be taken away. And that's what the second part of the vision Uh, depicts first we saw wickedness contained but then we see wickedness banished in Zechariah's vision two more women appear and again this is a vision it's fantastic it's bizarre but these women are flying they have the, the wind is in their wings and it says they had wings like a stork whatever it means by the wind being in their wings, it's, I think, intended to be the portrayal, a vivid portrayal of flight. You almost hear the sound of the wings moving, the the surge of air underneath them. These are large wings, stork-like wings, and they airlift the basket. They take it away. Well, Who are these women? What are they? We're not really told in the text. We could surmise that maybe they're angels, although normally angels aren't depicted in the Bible as as female. But are they angels? Are they servants of Yahweh, servants of God, or, or are they servants of wickedness? Do they serve the woman in the basket? Well, in any case, no matter whose servants they are, uh, in the immediate sense, they're fulfilling the purposes of God because they're taking wickedness away. They're removing it. And Zechariah asks about that. Look at verse 10 with me again. Verse 10, Then I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they taking the basket? And he gives his answer in verse 11. He said to me, to the land of Shinar. Shinar is the ancient name for the region that later became known as Babylon. And you've heard of Shinar if you've read the book of Genesis. That's where we find that ancient name. Because back in the days after the flood, as people began to multiply on the earth once again, people were migrating to the east and then they stopped. They stopped in the land of Shinar and they tried to build something, remember? They are going to build a tower. They are going to build a city and in the city they were going to put a tower and they wanted to reach to heaven. They wanted to make a name for themselves. That was their goal. So in that sense, Shinar, as a place name stands for the ancient origins of defiance against God if you think about it really because yes all the way back to Genesis 6 God looked down on the earth and he saw that all the intents of the hearts of man was only evil continually there was sin in the world sin was rampant in the world that's why God sent the flood but it's in Genesis 11 that we first see uh, rebellion against God in an organized way a unified effort to defy the living God. People banding together. God said, go out and fill the earth and subdue it. And they said, no, we want to hunker down right here and we want to join forces and make a name for ourselves in this great city we're going to build and with this great tower. Well, Babylon later on goes to represent the evil of the Roman Empire and some of the New Testament scriptures that Babylon is shorthand for Rome and for the evil of that institution of that uh, massive empire and then by the time we get to the book of Revelation Babylon becomes uh, emblematic of the whole sinful world order. So you have basically two, two groups of people, you have the, the people of God And then you've got the people of the world. And the people of the world are represented by this city, Babylon. Whereas the people of God are represented by this this city that's coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem. So this basket, with wickedness in it, is being carried off, and it's going to be taken to the land of Shinar. And that represents the removal of wickedness to its proper place. He says they're going to take it to the land of Shinar and they're going to build a house for it. Did you see that in verse 11? They're going to build a house for it and when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. So the fact that they're going to build a house for it indicates that the basket's going to remain there. It's not going to return. It's not going to return to the land of God's people. And when it says that it's going to be set down there on its base, that's it's uh, kind of like a pedestal. It's a resting place. This is the the permanent place, the final resting place of wickedness. <clears throat> now there are uh many older commentators. Uh, commentators from the uh, from the period of the Reformation and then maybe the next century or so who who uh, interpreted this as uh, representing the deportation of the Jews again after the when after they'd come back from exile uh, the the sort of second final deportation of the Jews for their sin uh, I don't take it to mean that but uh, I think. I think it's more symbolism of sin and wickedness being evicted. Wickedness, sin, being deported, banished from among the people of God, removed from their presence. Like Judas Iscariot, who left his apostolic ministry, as as the Scriptures say, to go to his own place. When these Women with wings like storks carried the basket to Shinar. That's what they were doing. They were taking taking wickedness to where wickedness belongs and removing it from the presence of the people of God. Now, as I said, the vision of the flying scroll in verses 1 through 4 and the vision of the basket in verses 5 through 11, if we take them together, consider them as a unit, they make a statement that's very similar to what's depicted for us in those sacrificial animals that we read about in Numbers, uh, or excuse me, Leviticus chapter 16. Those ceremonial animals that were brought on the Day of Atonement. There were several, actually. But in particular, there were these two goats that were to be presented at the tent of meeting at the tabernacle and they were to be consecrated and then lots were cast over these goats and then the first goat was to be offered up as a sin offering in other words the goat was slaughtered and it was burned on the altar and of course that's a representation of the punishment of sin it's a representation of what sin deserves and an execution of of that punishment. Then the other, you remember what they did with the other goat, right? A specially consecrated person took that goat and led it out into the wilderness and released it. That's where we get the expression the scapegoat from. You know, when you need a scapegoat, somebody to to lay the blame on for something, you call that person the scapegoat. And it comes from that that picture of this goat because before they took the goat away Aaron laid his hands on the head of the goat and that symbolized the laying the the placing onto this animal the sins of the people and then that animal bearing the sins of God's people was taken away led out into the wilderness and released sent far away never to return. It says, the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Now, why two goats? Why one to burn on the altar and one to to ship off, one to, to be banished, we might say? Well, it's because <clears throat> what the Lord does for you and for me in redemption is... Too complex to be represented by a single act. One symbolic act that can't really capture everything that's happening for you and for me and in the redemption that's accomplished by Christ. The spiritual realities of our faith are more expansive and they're more glorious than we can even comprehend and and certainly richer and more wonderful than any one act or symbolic action can convey but like the two goats in Leviticus 16 the two images in Zechariah 5 represent the punishment of sin on the one hand and then the removal of sin on the other and for our salvation both of these things are accomplished for us in and by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death on the cross He suffered the punishment for our sins. And then as the division of the ephah being evacuated from the land shows wickedness being carried away, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, had our sins laid on Him. Remember the hands being placed on the head of the goat? That happened for real to Jesus because of my sins and yours. God the Father, placed our iniquities on His own Son. And then He was forsaken. He was cast off. He suffered outside the camp, as it says in Hebrews, taking the disgrace of our offenses and carrying them away. And this is all God's doing. He Himself contains and removes wickedness from among his people. And all of this he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Savior. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we say to you, hallelujah, what a Savior. When we think of the work of Jesus Christ, how he bore the curse for us, how he carried sin away for us, we thank you, we praise you, And we ask you to fill our hearts with greater and deeper gratitude uh, for what you've done for us in him and greater and deeper love for him who did all this for us. We thank you and we praise you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.